our guest speaker this morning. You know we've been doing a couple of standalone messages in the month of October. Today's no different. I want to invite up a friend um, and and really a hero in the faith, Pete Leininger. Come on up, Pete. Before, before Pete preaches, just want to let you know, this is Nation Sunday, so if you're streaming or here live, we're talking about the nations today, and this man lives in the nations. He's been yeah. with Antioch for a long time. I'll let him share a bit of that story, uh, but he's a faithful man of God. His family is here this morning, and he flew all the way in from South Africa, from Namibia, to get here just because he wanted to talk to you. No, he came for other reasons, too, but That's he's coming here this morning. So, Pete, so glad you're here. Hey, just so you guys know, that's a long flight. Yes. I don't know how many of you have flown that far, but 17 hours in a plane, and that being your second leg is, you know, it's intense. Some of you in here have visited us there, and we're so glad. But I wanted to, where's Garrett? Did he take off? Anyway, so I'm just going to say, I'm going to say to Garrett that what I wanted you guys to hear, what I, what I have seen just now as he was sharing and seeing you guys honor one another, the the way that you guys are honoring each other. And I love how Garrett said that he is trusting his father. Man, that pleases him. That pleases him. You know, we need to get to a place where we're okay with mystery in God. You know, it's interesting. Uh, We often want to grasp things. We want to grasp life. We want to grab hold of it. We want to make things happen. But you know what? Jesus, in Philippians 2, it says that he, being equal with God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped onto, something to be held onto, but he let go of it. And he became a servant. So, man, that attitude, which you just saw up here, and you heard people honoring each other, man, that's that's good. That's Jesus. So I just wanted to honor that, too. that's, That's great. We need more of that. And uh, I'm so grateful to be here with you. I hope that we can be family a little bit uh, this morning. Um, Hopefully, I'm praying for some holy rabbit trails from heaven. Uh, Sometimes I go off. It's just kind of fun. I hope that it's a blessing to you. You know, we're going to cover a lot of things this morning. And I don't expect that you guys will remember everything that's said. You know, I don't want to offend Tyler or whoever else spoke two, three, four weeks ago. But the truth is, you probably don't know what was said. If I said, okay, four weeks ago, what did we talk about on Sunday? Everyone will be like, so just to set the tone this morning, the Holy Spirit is at work. And what I'm trusting him for is that one thing. That one piece of revelation, that one thing that he's going to speak to your heart, that'll stir your heart. And I want to challenge you, write that down. That's gold. Don't forget that thing, whatever it is. Whether it has to do with what I share this morning or not, grab onto it and put it into practice. We're going to talk more about this, but, you know, most of us in this room, if you put it all together, we've heard enough sermons to sink a ship. Really. The question is, are we doing what we know? Are we doing what we know? That's the cry of my heart. I'm 51 years old. I've been walking with Jesus since I was four. I honestly don't know a time that I didn't know Jesus. And 
yes, I need to keep hearing more sermons. I need to be stirred up. I need to be challenged. But the truth is, I'm really just trying to live what I know. And so I hope that we can land there uh, by the end of our time. And none of this was in my notes, so Lord Jesus, help me. Okay. I told you, holy tangents, in the name of Jesus. All right. So I wanted to introduce my wife, Jennifer. She's sitting over here to the right of me, my daughter, Megan. And uh, I just wanted to ask you guys, through the first slide, if you guys could put the first slide up, how many of you know where Namibia is? So how many of you know? There you go. Yeah, you know now. Sorry. Not really good on the timing of that one. Apologize. Sorry about that. Wasn't quite fast enough. But so I, I love the joke. A lot of times we'll tell people, you know, they'll be like, yeah, Africa. By the way, Africa is not a nation. Please, seriously, Africa is a continent. Okay, I just, just want to throw that out there. Because they'll say, name a country. Have you guys seen those videos? Name a country. And somebody will go, Africa. I'm like, wow. So we live in Namibia. And uh, so grateful to be there. And I want to show, if you show the next slide, I want to introduce you to my family. Okay, there in the back is my wife, Jennifer. And then me and Megan there in the front. The guy in the middle is my oldest son, Samuel. Then the tall guy with the long arms, that's David. He's my second son. And then Jacob, who likes to feed himself while we're taking family pictures. Uh, his name is Jacob, and he is 18 years old. So they're 21. Oh, are they 22? 22. Wow. <laughs> 22, 21, 18, and Megan 17. So actually, one of the reasons that we're here now is because Jacob is coming back to study in Waco, Texas, and to be a part of the body there uh, in, in Antioch. Yeah, sick and bears. Come on, man. All right. We didn't do too good yesterday, but that's okay. Um, so I want to I show you guys. Um, well, before I do that, let me give you a little bit of background, because you might be asking this question. Just how long has this guy been around, really? How old is he really? Well, I told you I'm 51. But I started with Antioch in 1991 as a student, where God was capturing my heart, and I was learning what it meant to walk passionately with him and with purpose in my life. And I was so attracted to that. I wanted to be in, all in. I, I mean, don't we want to give our life for something? I mean, who wants to go halfway, seriously? And I was saying, hey, I want to do this, but I had no idea how to say yes to God, and I was learning how to do that. And his kindness was winning me over. I hope you experience some of that today. So I served as a university pastor after graduating with a master's in business. We stayed on uh, and were university pastors there in uh, Antioch, Waco, which at the time was Highland. Uh, I don't know if you guys even know of Highland. Do you guys ever share that at all? So it's so far back that it's before Antioch existed (laughs) as Antioch. But at Highland Baptist Church, I served as college pastor for five years. Then in 1999, we sold everything. Jennifer and I had two little kiddos. We sold everything. We moved to Germany. And we served as missionary church planners there for 11 years. After doing that, we came back to the States for four years, and we served as um, de-school directors uh, for four years doing that. Loved that. I love that job. I love watching God change people's lives. The cool thing is, is when we, you know, present this environment where we're engaging the word of God and we're talking to him about how to live it out and you see people's lives change. The cool thing is I can't do that. We can't change people, but to see the Holy Spirit working in people's lives, it's so exciting. 
So did that for four years, and then we moved to Namibia, where we've been serving as team leaders since 2015. So I want to show you a couple of pictures. I want you to let, it, let you into our world just a little bit. We already showed you the map, so you saw where Namibia is. And so then the next picture, we're going to see some landscape, and we're going to see some animals and stuff like this. So this is Vintuk. We actually live in the capital city. So I'm sure that you guys have pictures of huts, grass huts, and all that kind of stuff, and the San people. You guys ever know the gods must be crazy? You guys know that movie? Okay, you'll see a picture of a San woman here in just a second. So that's one of the people that live in our area, kind of between Botswana and Namibia. Uh, but this is Vintuk. So we live in the capital city of about 500,000 people. So you wonder, can we buy groceries there? Yes. We don't hunt to survive, but we do hunt. Amen. Thank you very much. All right, so next picture. So this is the Kalahari. It is absolutely beautiful. You see the rolling uh, red sand dunes there. And then the next picture. Okay, this is an oryx. This is the national animal of Namibia on their shield, you know, for their nation. They have two of them, so you'll see that. Those things are beautiful. It's amazing. Okay, then next one. See some people. So this is a San woman that I talked about. Uh, an amazing people. They're so hard to reach. Just with tribes that are close to each other, they have four different languages, and they can't, they can't actually talk to each other. It's really, it's amazing. I know some people who are translating some of those languages, and I'm astounded at their skill and their passion to see these people reached for Jesus. So anyway, next picture. Okay, this is the Himba. Sorry, just because we're back in the U.S., I had to, you know, we had to get a picture of her turned around. She's not wearing anything on top. You guys might be offended. But over there, traditional dress, it's very normal. If you guys would, you know, if you Googled Namibia, you'd probably be the first thing you would see would be the Himba. Their bodies painted red, very traditional in their living. We spend a good bit of time with them uh, up there, and we do that on a regular basis. Okay, next picture. Okay, so this is, I actually teach as part of my job there to allow me to be in the country. I train pastors at a seminary, and we get them out on mission on a regular basis. Because I tell them, you've learned enough, let's start doing some stuff, Amen. right? So we were out there, and we were serving in a city called Sumeb. And I just wanted you to see the diversity of people there. There are actually 14 different people groups uh, in Namibia, and some of them are represented there. Okay. Do I have another one? I think there's another one, right? All right. You might know these guys. So our connection to you guys, we love you guys. We love this church. I just had to have a little shout-out to the NAM fam. Love you guys. And we hope that they're not the only ones that come. We hope to see some of you guys next year, too, when things open up. We almost had it happening, but, you know, as everything was shut down, a little bit hard. We, we barely got out of the country, to be honest with you. So that's how long I have been around, since 1991. That is where we're living. It's part of what we're doing. I just wanted you to get a little bit of a flavor of, of what it looks like uh, over there. So I hope that's enjoyable for you. So I want to get on to what we want to touch on this morning. I want you to say two words with me. I want you to say relationship and purpose. Relationship and purpose. Sounds like passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. So you'll probably hear this in a lot of different ways. But what I want to show you this morning is there's a kingdom rhythm in the scripture that has to do with relationship with him and his purposes for our life and his purposes in the earth. And you'll see it over and over again. And honestly, we have a tendency, we usually swing to one side or the other, don't we? We're usually saying, hey, we're doers. 
We're going for it. We're making it happen. Or you have people that say, well, you know, we really need to sit and we need to wait and we need to receive because apart from him, we can't do anything. And the answer is, you're right. Both of them are true. So I hope today that we can bring those two things together on Mission Sunday. So that when we talk about missions, it's not just another sermon where we're talking about trying harder to do more, but where we can walk intimately with Jesus. And out of that place of love and grace that's poured out on our life, that we can run hard because we're loved. So we'll talk about that some this morning. I want to lay some foundations. So I had this, uh, I wrote this down. So three things I want to do. I want to celebrate Jesus this morning. I want to drink deeply of him this morning. And I pray that as we are talking and sharing, that we'll grow in our surrender. We'll grow in our surrender. You know, what's interesting is, is we want to be free, don't we? You don't want to be free. Do you want to be free? Thank you. And so often we say, we want to be free. We're going to throw off our restraint. Let me share something with you. That's not how the kingdom works. The kingdom is different. The place of freedom, the place of life, the place of liberty, the place of peace, of confidence before God is the place of surrender. It's actually the narrow place. It's the place of pressure. Aren't you excited? But the cool thing about that is, is we're invited into this process with God, this relationship and this purpose that happens, and it's filled with pressure. It can be filled with difficulty, but the great thing is in the midst of it, we get relationship, and that's really what we want in the end anyway. So I want to lay a few foundations, and then we're going to dive into one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The first thing I want to talk about is this question of, you know, what's life all about anyway? You guys ever asked that? Maybe not. I don't know. But have you ever wondered what life is all about? What is it? And I'm I'm not about to get really super philosophical. I'm not really that kind of guy, honestly. But we do need to think about these questions. What is it that life's all about? What is our highest motivation above everything else? What is it for us as believers that is our fixed point? There's an interesting video, and I want to encourage you to go uh, see it in YouTube. Type in, why can't we walk straight? And it's interesting. They've done all of these experiments where they've blindfolded people, and they've said to them, okay, here's an open field. I've blindfolded you, so walk straight as you can. And when they map it out, the guy's going in a circle like this and around like this and around like this, circle, circle, circle like this, and then boom, he runs into a tree. But they do it with swimming. They do it with driving. A, a bunch of it's a little four. Yeah, it's pretty scary, eh? I didn't think about that. I don't know where they did the driving, but they actually did it. Uh, hopefully, it was in that big field. Uh, and it's funny, I never caught that before. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, you're listening. That's, uh, hey, I appreciate that. But the thing about it is, what they found out is that we, as people, without a fixed point, We wonder. If we, as let's say we're navigating a ship, if we don't have the North Star, we don't know where we are. If we don't have a mountain, if we don't have the moon, the sun, a tree, something that marks our direction and our purpose, we wander and we walk in circles. So what is our fixed point as believers? 
And I want to submit to you today that it is the glory of God. Now, that's a huge topic, but we're going to break it down a little bit. Because some of you might have said, if I was in a a situation where we could discuss things a little bit, we could talk things through, you might say, but isn't it to love? Say yes. Isn't it to share the gospel? Absolutely. Isn't it to serve others? How about bearing much fruit? And the answer is yes to all those things. But why do we do those things? Why should we love one another? So people will be pointed to him. Why do we serve one another so that we would be noticed? No, that's not why it happens. Let's talk about some scriptures. I love Habakkuk 2, 14. It says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's my prayer. Now, this might be a controversial statement, but hear my heart. What's our goal? World domination. It is. World domination. With love, humility, service, giving glory to God and lifting him up so that all can be free. Not because they're casting off restraint, but they're saying, I'm choosing the narrow road. The way of the glory of God and his purposes is what is the fixed point in my life. And it keeps me straight when I don't know what to do or where to go. Because no one can keep you from honoring God. The circumstances in your life cannot keep you from honoring God. You're in control of your response. No one else. So how about this one? Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works. And what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So what's the purpose of the good works? To glorify our Father in heaven. And then John 15, 8. I love this. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And probably my favorite scripture on this topic is John 17, 3 and 4. So here's Jesus. He's coming to the end of his ministry. It's his priestly prayer in John 17. He's about to pray for us, those of us who are to come. And he says, now this, in verse 3, he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Do you hear relationship in that? This is eternal life, that they may know you intimately, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent And verse 4 says, And Father, I have glorified you by completing that which you've given me to do. So I pray that that would be our prayer this morning. That we would say that we would know what eternal life really is. That we would know our Father in heaven. That we would know Jesus deeply. That we would receive of him. That we would be growing in that. We're all in process. Right? And the result would be, Lord, be glorified in my life. I want to do what you want me to do. You see, Lord, it's about you, and it's about your glory. It's about your kingdom. It's about your ways. And friends, if you're the center of your life, you're going to be confused. If somehow in your life you've been put in the center, your world's not going to make sense. Because you were never created to be in the center. Because it's not about you, ultimately. We get relationship and we get reward and we get um, the, the intimacy with Jesus that we long for. But ultimately, it's not about you. It's his story. That's right. And it's about his glory filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. So I hope that we can adjust ourselves a little bit.
And just quick, as somebody who's raised uh, a couple of kids on the field, and we, done, we, we did some things right, and uh, I wonder sometimes about some other things. And that's being honest, you know, saying, Lord, help us. We want our kids to love you deeply. But for those of you that have kids, if you put your kids in the center of your family, if you put the kids in the center of your marriage, if you put the kids in the center of your life, they're going to miss this. Kids aren't the center. Jesus and his purposes are the center. And your kids get to be a part of a team of something called a family that's all about Jesus and his purposes. We need healthy families that are all about his glory and his kingdom. So that's the first thing. We live in a kingdom whose king is Jesus. You say, well, how do we do that practically? I pray this prayer. Lord, I pray that I would glorify you today in the things that I do, the things that I say, and the attitudes of my heart. And there's a lot of practical stuff in there. Because that gives me an opportunity hundreds of times a day to glorify God with my life. The things I say, the things I do, and the attitudes of my heart. So, but let's move on. So the next thing is, we know that our fixed point is believers and our highest motivation is the glory of God. And then we're going to talk about God's big heart, right? This is Mission Sunday, of course. We're going to talk about His big heart. Let's look at Revelation 7, 9 through 12. I'm sure this is such a familiar passage to you. But I pray that it would wash over you again with this filter that you would see how big is God's heart actually. Because you know what, there are some, I don't know, there's some theologies out there as I'm traveling around and hearing people that, that some people are chosen and some people are not chosen, that some people are in and some people are out. I want you to hear me today. God's heart and desire is that every single person on this planet hears the gospel. And has an opportunity to receive his love, to be changed by his love, and to be transformed by the reality of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every single one. So let's read about it. So enter with me in Revelation 7, right? We got this picture. It's before the throne of God. And man, there are people as far as you can see. I love imagining this. Here we are. And it says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from Every nation, say every, Every. from every nation and all tribes, all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne And they worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I look forward to being part of that. We are part of it. And how about Matthew 24, 14? Who of you has heard that scripture? Who knows that scripture? Matthew 24, 14. There's got to be a few people in here, right? And the gospel of this kingdom will be preached as a witness to the whole world, to all the nations, and then the end will come. 
God's got a big heart, friends. I don't know how you might feel to make it personal. I know I've met a lot of people that have felt like God's distant. If he just knew what I have done. If he knew the thoughts that I have in my head that roll around uh, at night and throughout the day. The, the fight that I have, is there really room in his heart for me? And the answer is yes. He's got a big heart. He's a good father. And there's room in his heart for you. But not just for you. For all nations. And all people. So moving on. If God's glory is our highest motivation. And God's heart is big. And he wants to see all people come to know him. Then what's his plan? How are we going to see this happen? Something called the Great Commission. It's not that complicated, friends. It's called the Great Commission. I'm sure you're familiar with it. As I quote the Great Commission, I want you to think about the relationship and purpose again, though, right? Remember, relationship, purpose. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's relationship. He says, you're with me, you're in the right place. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I command. And he's like, hey, remember, I'm with you, even to the very end. So tonight, tonight, feels like night, it's kind of dark in here. So today, I want you to know that you are God's plan. You're God's plan. Who was he talking to? When he gave us the Great Commission, yes, he was talking to the disciples, but he was also talking to us. He says, relationship, come with me. I'm always with you, but I need you to go. I need you to make disciples of all nations. I need you to baptize, and I need you to teach people to obey and to live what they know. So I sum it up in this phrase like this. We are all called to be disciples who make disciples so all can hear and God's glory will fill the earth. We are called to be disciples who make disciples so all can hear and God's glory can fill the earth. So a scripture that I want to look to that I feel like brings it all together in regard to relationship and purpose is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. And you guys have it up there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God has reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We therefore are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So I want to hit a couple of points here, and then we're going to get really practical. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. It doesn't say, and we live like this often, if any man is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old is going slowly, much slower than I would like it to go. And the new is coming. At least that's what they're telling me. But I sure would like to experience more of the new. <clears throat> but that's not the truth. The truth is, there are lots of different voices out there. The question is, which source are you going to live from? Which voice are you going to listen to? The old is gone, friends. It's gone. The new has come. And the reason that's important is because in my own story, in my own life, I alluded to this earlier, and that is, For a long time, I tried to pay God back for his kindness. I ran hard. And I was excited about seeing the gospel go to the ends of the earth, but it wore me out. And I would go through these cycles of I would run hard and then I would crash. And I'd have to back up. And then I would run hard again and I would crash and I'd have to back up. And finally, one day... I found this coming out of my heart. Lord, I can't do it. I cannot pay you back. And he's like, man, I've been waiting a long time for you to say that. Would you just let me love you? Would you just say thank you? Let me love you. Learn to abide in me. Because I'm not working toward grace or for grace, but I'm working from it. I want to run hard because I'm loved. I want to run hard because it's finished. And he's given me everything I need for life and godliness, as it says in 2 Peter. So I want you to hear something today. You are loved. You're accepted. You're forgiven. You're empowered. Take a deep breath. Thank you, Jesus. Because we need to be people who obey him. But not because we have to or we feel like our arm is being twisted. Or we're obeying him because we want to put God on the hook. And really in our hearts and lives, we're the center. But that we can receive from him and say, Lord, I get to run with you. I get to take part in what you're doing. And then the other thing I want you to hear, so I want you to drink deeply of him. Hey, by the way, in your own time with the Lord, go read John 4. He says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come drink of me. If he drinks of me, he will never thirst again. And from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The cool thing is, a good friend of mine shared this one time, and I've never forgotten it. He says, the drink is for us. And the rivers are for them. Let's let that be true of us. And so he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to read this line again. I don't know if you guys caught it. It's in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I want to let that sink in a little bit. Our Father's big heart to see all here 
all know, all be reconciled to him in the reality of their life. He's given us this message. He's given us this ministry. And God himself is crying out to people through us. Come back to God. He loves you. He's not distant. He's come near to you. You don't have to clean up first. So I hope that you would grab hold of that. And you say, okay, well, how do we live this out on a daily basis? We got to own it. I love your verbiage here. Let's own this. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. What would it look like for the kingdom to come in your family? What would it look like for the kingdom to come among your friends, in your workplace, in this city? We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We can co-labor with him, abide in him, walk with him, pray it, live it, share it, because we want his kingdom to gain ground. Relationship and purpose. And then in the end again, he knew He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's nothing between you and the Father anymore. Thank you, Lord. I I promise. Yes. I promise you. He didn't just die for our sins. He became sin. Yes. And sin itself was judged on the cross so that we can become the righteousness. Yes. Of God in Christ Jesus. Not so we could act right. So that we in our very being can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because when you obey God, you're just living who you really are. You might say, oh, but I want to sin. No, you don't. You don't want to sin. That's not true. The truth is you're in him and he is in you. And because that's true, you're going to bear a lot of fruit and you're going to bring your father glory and you're going to be his disciples. So I'm going to read a phrase to you that came to my mind and I'm going to share one last, one last truth and then we're going to process it together. As I was preparing this phrase, this, this paragraph came to mind, we need to be people who live, who will live intentionally focused, unselfish lives for the kingdom. Not to prove anything, but because we're in love. His kingdom has won our hearts, and he is worthy of our lives. So I don't know if any of this has stirred you or brought up a little bit of motivation in your heart, but there was one thing, honestly, and it it fits, but I don't know. This is one of those things where I need to say, as I was preparing, this is, this is, so if you haven't heard anything I've said, if you've heard nothing, then check in right now. This is the one thing I can tell you. God wants you to know this. One day, we will all stand before the Lord Jesus. And we will be judged. Not because of our sin. We will be judged according to how well we received his love and how we responded in faith and gratitude to that love. 
So I want you to think of all of the wealth on the earth. Think of it. Let it blow your mind. How much wealth is there in the earth? Like Congress right now, they're talking about, hey, how about like $2 trillion worth of help? And does that blow anyone's, I mean, $2 trillion, seriously? But one reward, one, one reward, one little nugget, one little gem, when that torch of fire falls at our works, the pile of wood, hay, and stubble, and anything that remains, one reward in heaven is worth more. More than all, all of the wealth on the earth. One reward. He's worthy of your life. And He's worthy of my life. One reward, friends. Man, I pray God keep that in front of me. There are so many things that distract us. So many things fighting for our attention. And I would encourage you today, fight for simplicity. Live a narrow life. It's the place of freedom. It's the place of purpose. Live that narrow life of relationship and purpose. When I was a student at university, they said, Pete, why do you put all your eggs in one basket? (laughs) I was like... Why would I put him anywhere else? So here's the key. What do I do tomorrow when I get up in the morning? Because we hear great things, right? We come away motivated. Woo, Jesus is awesome. He loves us. This is great. He's given us purpose. Sweet. And after the burger that you're going to eat for lunch, we're like, I don't really know what to do with that. I feel stirred, but I don't feel changed. I want to encourage you that when I was sitting where you you are right now, when I was a student, I was always swinging for the fence, and I despised the process of God in my life. I wanted to get from point A to point B as quick as I could. And the problem is, it took me a long time to learn that he's the God of the process. That's where you meet him. And if you want to say, how do I get to the nations? Then I'm going to say, obey him today. That's how you get to the nations. Small steps of obedience. Because we get to. Walk this out in healthy community. It's important to do that. Because if you'll learn to listen to him, obey him, and share what you're learning with other people... You'll look back, maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but six months, a year, five years from now, you'll look back and you will see the glory of God. It's hard to see when you're in it and you're living it. So I want you to look underneath your seats. There's a sheet of paper. I don't want to be in a hurry in this. So the guys are going to play some music in the background, and then we're going to take some time at the end to honor Jesus, to worship him. I don't know what's stuck with you today, but I'm trusting that there's one thing. Might not even be anything I said, but the Holy Spirit's talking to you this morning.
I want you to look at this first question. What's one thing that I've heard today that I do not want to forget? Would you take a minute? I want you to write that down. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? What is it that you want us to hold on to? What is it, Lord, that you want us to put into practice and share with others? Don't write down four things. Write down one. What's one thing I do not want to forget? And I'm going to encourage you tomorrow when you get up, I want you to ask this second question. Lord Jesus, how can I build your kingdom today? I promise you that I've heard everything from, son, I need you to change your boy's diaper today before your wife asks. You think, the glory of God is coming from heaven. Uh, yes, it is actually. Because how I learned to serve my son and I learned to look to my wife's interest changes me. I begin looking more like Jesus. There's no such thing as a professional Christian. Just so you know that. We're up here, teachers, everyone, we're here to equip you for the works of the ministry. It's all of us together that get it done. So Lord, Jesus, how can I build your kingdom today? Everything from, hey, you know that colleague? I need you to pray for him. I need you to serve him. You know that neighbor that doesn't know Jesus? Go share Jesus with him. You know, the things that you would think, oh, that's really spiritual. That's what's going to be pleasing to the Father. That's true, but I'm telling you, 80% of the time, I hear things like, don't forget to pay that bill. Be a man of your word today. Very simple things, but done in faith, result in reward in heaven. And then lastly, just begin to process these questions over the next couple of days. Lord, based on what we're hearing, what do I need to keep doing? There's some things that you're doing. They're probably great. Ask him, what do I need to keep doing? Keep doing this stuff. Lord, what do I need to stop doing? Is there something that's distracting me that's stealing my attention and my time? And then what do I need to start doing that I'm not doing? And so Tyler and I were talking about this beforehand. What I don't want you to do is come up with a list of to-dos. That's not what this is about. Remember, it's about relationship and purpose. Relationally, I want you to walk these things through with Jesus. What would be beautiful is if on these sheets of paper, every single person had a different answer. 
because you've talked to Jesus about it. He knows your life and he would tell you exactly what he wants you to do to say yes to him today in your setting and in your family and in your job. Amen. We are called to be disciples who make disciples so all can hear and God's glory can fill the earth. And it starts with praying in the morning, Lord, what do I do today to build your kingdom? Learning to listen, learning to obey, and to share that with others. God bless you. as we're going into just a time of worship um, you know <clears throat> she need a few more minutes just to write down some of those responses I just really was sensing man it's uh, such a gift to make ourselves respond in the moment versus well I'll get to that after the burger <laughs> um, I think there's a unique moment right now so just I don't want you to leave without writing those down and as you do that you can put it away and just want us to be able to stand if you've finished up just want us to stand as we close in worship as reflecting on him reflecting on his glory and just was reminded of hey lord what, what are you wanting and it's it's that simple put it put jesus back in the center just if there's if there's any place where we feel like that we've kind of maybe wiggled our way into the center <laughs> you know or if we've kind of we've kind of pulled our kids across the line into the center that he's saying hey i i I want you to put me back in the center again. Put King Jesus. We sang that song earlier, all hail King Jesus. But he's saying, hey, I want, I want, it, I want, it, I want it to be reality. That Jesus is the center. Nothing else. No organization, no ideology, no other person, no, not, but he. And when he is in the center, then he is our fixed point. Amen. I just want to pray for us as we go into time of worship and responding to him that's what we're doing. So Lord, we just pray right now. Help us. Help us to put you in the center. Help us to remove anything else that is in the center or trying to compete or vie for time or affections or to share that space. We say, no, there's one King. There's one Lord. There is one Spirit. There's one. We want you to be in the center. We pray. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.